Welcome to The Vault. Tune in every week to unlock the marketing secrets of some of the fastest growing businesses. You'll hear practical tips, strategies, and case studies that will help you build incredible marketing campaigns for your business. And now, here's your host, Stacey Keogh. Today, I'm doing something a little different. I'm joined by Rachel and Alex, who work with me at my marketing agency, Brownlective. I was recently asked to host a marketing AMA, Ask Me Anything, event online. Rachel and Alex will be asking me live on this podcast some of the questions that were submitted. But you might be wondering why I decided to do this. The internet has opened up a huge opportunity for small businesses. 25 years ago, to get your business in front of a large audience, you needed to have a huge marketing budget or advertising budget for billboards, TV advertisements, and radio. Today, digital marketing and social media have leveled the playing field. Any business can post an update on their social media and use a relatively small budget compared to a local billboard to get that post in front of their ideal prospects. We carry mini video recorders around in our pockets. That's our smartphones. And we can record something to share on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter in a matter of minutes rather than spending millions on TV adverts. We can record podcasts and start our own radio channels in just a few short hours. Blogs and review sites are considered more trustworthy than traditional media. Now is the time to use these platforms to your advantage. So I ask the audience on this marketing AMA, how can I help? Let's unlock the vault of marketing questions and jump straight in. Welcome to today's episode of the Vault Podcast. I'm joined by Alex and Rachel, who are two members from our marketing agency. uh, And they've joined me here today to help me along with this AMA, Ask Me Anything About Marketing. So let's kick things off. Rach, you want to go first? Yeah. So the first question is from Anamaya Prith. And she's asked, how did you develop the game changer methodology? Okay, so this is our sixth step, our six C's to digital marketing. And the game changer method was born out of the process that I've used over the last seven years running between four and 500 different digital marketing campaigns for businesses all around the UK, the US, Australia. I find when working with businesses who don't have a broad knowledge of digital marketing and and understanding of what we do to generate leads and how we use social media and all that kind of stuff, it can become quite overwhelming. So I actually, what we did is we put together the process, so essentially these six steps that we use every single day in our agency to help explain really how to run a digital marketing campaign. So essentially there's six steps to it for us. We call them the six C's, as we've kind of mentioned in a previous episode on this podcast. Um, The six C's are connect, create, captivate, capture, converse, and convert. And it's just really a great way, or I guess the reason we started it was to help clients understand the processes that we go through while implementing a full digital marketing pipeline. And one of the cool things actually that we've released recently, which can help people even further, is we've put out a scorecard, haven't we? So we've got a scorecard that you can take online. It asks you, I think it's around 10 questions for each C, for each section. It gives you a score at the end of it and shows you exactly where you're at with your current marketing and gives you some top tips on what you can do to improve it. So it's totally personalized, but it's a really cool process that people can go through to try to understand, you know, how their marketing is currently performing and some of the areas that they can do to actually improve it. 
Okay, great. The next question is from Monji, who asks, which is your favorite business tool or resource? I love Zapier. We actually all love Zapier, don't we, in our office? We use it for everything, don't we? So sharing blog posts from WordPress to social media pages. We use it to create new invoices between Podio, which is the CRM that we use, and QuickBooks, which is our accounting software. We use it for sending email addresses from our lead magnets across into MailChimp or other email software platforms. Uh, there's so many options available with Zapier. I guess actually, how do we explain Zapier for people who don't understand what it is? It's an automation software. If anyone knows IFTT, it's also like that. So it allows like apps to work together effectively. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. Apps to work together. Yeah. So if you've got, uh, you can basically plug it into multiple things. So plug it into your website to collect data that'll spit it through off into another piece of platform. But it's a really good way of connecting all different apps. I think probably my favorite tool that that has been my favorite tool just because we use it so much. So the next question is from Kristen P and she's asking, is SEO still very important in digital marketing today? Mm, That's a good question. I think it depends on your objectives. So any great digital marketing strategy is going to include SEO, but equally any decent campaign will naturally result in some good organic rankings in Google search anyway. So, I mean, we've got some clients that will not consider SEO because what they offer is so highly competitive that they don't want to wait the 12 months or 18 months or however long it might take for an SEO campaign to actually come to fruition. They might choose to put that budget actually into Google AdWords where they can actually pay to be at the top of Google search rather than investing in that long-term game, which is SEO. And that, you know, sometimes it'll just be because they're in a competitive industry. So if you think of something like the, say you're an insurance company and you sell car insurance, there's so many big players out there on the market, the chances of you actually getting an organic listing in Google search, so ranking on the first page of Google, naturally is really challenging because you're going to be up against these huge, huge brands, whereas you could just pay to be at the top. Yes, it's probably going to be slightly more expensive or it will be more expensive than to do that organically. However, you're guaranteed the lead. So I think it really just comes down to what your objectives are. I will say that I personally feel like good organic search results add a lot of authority and credibility to a brand. So if you do show up on the first page of Google when somebody searches for your business, I think that's a huge plus and actually does make you a more credible brand. So I think for that purpose, it definitely is still an important part of your pipeline. The next question is from FBJ Fitz who asks, my strongest reach and following still seems to be on Facebook. I'm slowly building my Instagram, but any top tips on how to expand this and Twitter followers? Well, I guess you can ask your Facebook audience to move across and follow you on those other platforms. That could be a really good place to start. I would also look at why you want to grow on Instagram and Twitter. Why is that important to you? If your customers are primarily on Facebook and that's where you're generating your sales, you may not even need to build a following on some of those other platforms. If you really, really do want to build a following on Instagram and Twitter, then looking at implementing a hashtag strategy that can be really, really powerful for improving your reach. I guess a point to make as well is your strategy, your content strategy will need to be different across these platforms. So you need to test out different things. What works for you on Facebook 
won't necessarily work for you on Instagram. So that can be a really good thing for somebody to look at when designing a strategy. You know, you may need to look at trying out videos, trying stories, you know, on Instagram, trying the stories on Facebook, using Instagram TV, try a mix of graphics and text only. Obviously you have to have graphics when it's on Instagram, but I guess if we're talking Twitter, try text only, try text with graphics, try links, try without links. You've got to try a bunch of different stuff to see what actually works for your demographic. But to be honest with you, the answer will just come back to what I said initially, which is why do you want to be on those multiple platforms? If Facebook is working really, really well for you, do you need to spread over into these other platforms? That's something that I would consider. So the next question comes from J-G-A-W-C-E-N. Okay. And (laughs) what a username. And the question is, what social media network has the biggest potential to help a brand or business grow exponentially? A really good question. Um, And I could talk about this forever. (laughs) But I think my answer is always a really frustrating one. And I know people hate this, but it totally depends. It depends on your industry. It depends on your brand. It depends on your product. Restaurants, for example, they'll outperform a plumbing business on Instagram. Why? Because they have beautiful pictures of food to grab your attention. Whereas, you know, looking at leaky pipes or a bogged up loo is not really that exciting. So, uh, you know, there's going to be certain platforms that are going to work better for different businesses. Uh, YouTube is another great platform that can do incredible things for, in my opinion, almost any business. If a good strategy is implemented, even for that plumber, you know, if he showed people how to fix basic problem and then provided a great touch point for the audience to connect with him next time they have a significant plumbing issue, that can have a really big impact on his business. To offer you a direct answer to that question, I would say it's still Facebook due to their advertising algorithm. Um, you can get really niche with your targeting. And if you've got a really great copywriter and great graphics or video content, then Facebook ads will outperform any other social media advertiser. Right now, that could change in three months time or in a year's time. But at the moment, Facebook's probably the best one in terms of helping you to grow your business exponentially online. The next question is from Maria C, who's taken things a little bit personal now. She asks, what are the qualities of a great marketing professional? Maybe being adaptable. Um, I think too many people get stuck on ideas that worked a year ago. I think as a, as a marketer, you have to be able to adapt to the market conditions You must also have the confidence to suggest new ideas to clients and be able to back up why you think that is a great idea or beneficial for them to actually use. But I think equally, you have to be able to listen, right? So both your client who will tell you what they want to achieve, but also be able to listen to sort of chatter that's happening online. It can be hugely insightful to what is missing from a brand, either in the marketing campaign or the way that they manage their customers. So it can be a really, really good way of sourcing new ideas for content creation can be through listening. But I think, to, I mean, to answer the question, what are great qualities in a marketing professional? There's loads of things that you can learn, obviously, through studying marketing. But I think in terms of a, a quality that's really important to me when I'm hiring is being adaptable. I think that's really important. Yeah, I'd agree. And being open-minded, don't be afraid to take inspiration from different industries as well. To Yeah, that's understand. a good point. This leads us quite nicely to our next question from Maria1028. And she's asking, how do you keep up with digital marketing trends and how do you update your knowledge? I just read a lot. I try to keep up with new updates that come out from social media platforms. I follow other industry blogs 
I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of books. I just try to consume as much content around things that are happening. I set up Google Alerts. Maybe that's a good tip. Often I'll have Google Alerts set up for specific topics that I'm interested in. So obviously we're quite what's a thing that's launched quite recently is um, Instagram TV, right? It's just an article that came out this morning about some issues around data protection and things to do with IGTV. So I just read that this morning. That was something that happened just a couple of hours ago. And the reason that I was able to keep on top of that so quickly is I have a Google alert set up for some of those keywords that I think are really things that are happening in the market right now and things that I want to be aware of. So I guess that's a good way of keeping up to things. But just finding a couple of blogs or a couple of podcasts who are... Um, ahead of the curve and always coming up and trying new things and testing things and challenging new things that come out. I think that's a really good type of blog or podcast to follow. People that challenge just because something's new and exciting, like Instagram TV, is it great? Like what are the negatives to it? But I think just, you know, following people that are leaders in that field is the best way to try to keep on top of new trends. I agree completely. And it's just because maybe Instagram TV is not you know, 100% suitable for your business, or at least you don't think it is, you never know until you really get to understand the platform. And maybe, you know, they bring out a new update or something which tweaks it in a way that would uh, work for your business. Um, the next question is from E John 3 with the old fable question, is there an ideal number of social media posts per day? The old quality over quantity argument, mm, I guess. Yeah. So challenging, isn't it? Like, don't you guys feel like we get this question all the time from yeah. our clients? Yeah. I mean, again, annoying answer. Like, it totally depends. It totally depends on your industry and your product and everything like that. But I think um, to just give a broad answer, I recommend between one and three posts a day. I think that's a really good number for most industries. More than that, you know, if you're thinking about Snapchat or Insta stories or Facebook stories, but on the main feed of your social media account, I think between one and three is a pretty safe number where you're not going to annoy people too much by just pumping out repeated content, but you are going to stay front of mind by having content out there in front of them constantly. And as I've talked about in a previous podcast, the familiarity principle, I think is so important. So making sure that you're visible to your audience all the time is going to be a major factor in building that awareness. So I think between one and three days, a pretty decent amount. I think it's funny because maybe if you asked that question a couple of years ago, that would have seemed quite a lot, but maybe how some of the algorithms have changed. So the organic nature of it is maybe slightly dipped off and there's a lot of, you know, boosted posts and uh, sponsored posts that kind of take precedent or, or there's more of them in the newsfeed when you scroll down. So I think it's tougher to fight for those organic spots. So by posting more often, I guess you're, you're more likely to be put on the, uh, the shop window for your audience, as it were. Yeah, that's true. And I think actually, <clears throat> I guess to play devil ab- devil's advocate a little bit with this is, you know, we often have clients that are asking, approaching us about, you know, how often we should be posting and what we should be posting and all this kind of stuff. And I guess when I'm consulting and we're not necessarily as an agency managing social media for them, but on when I'm consulting and if clients are showing concerns that they're not going to have enough content to actually post every day, I'll just say to them, if it's a struggle, if you cannot commit to posting once a day or three times a day or whatever, how many times can you commit to? And the reason I say I ask that question is 
I think consistency is better than mass volume. So rather than thinking, oh my God, I have to post three things a day and just posting anything for the sake of posting something, I think that actually has a negative approach. So I think it's much better to be realistic about how much time you actually have to invest and and actually have a strategy behind what you are posting. Don't just post for the sake of it. If you've only got time to post four times a week in total, no problem, but make sure they're really great, engaging, quality content. I think that's much better than posting 20 times a week of just averageness that people don't get excited about. So worth considering. So the next question comes from Alex P on my design and she's asking um what's the most challenging about being a marketing expert in this day and age okay cool i saw this question come through that was a really weird name that you just asked <laughs> and it's alex peony design <laughs> okay but that's all right, right well you know i just thought break it up yeah okay so uh the most challenging thing for me is the strategy stage of a project so often clients aren't actually sure what it is they want out of a digital marketing campaign and that can present loads of challenges for us i find especially with small business owners that they want marketing to get them more business but they've not actually thought about the basic principles things like you know your value proposition what's their usp What are their customers' needs versus wants? That's a really big thing. We've talked a lot about that recently in our agency, which, you know, what do our customers want versus what do we think they need? Um, And it's trying to find that balance. You know, things like who are their customers? And it's never everybody, which I know this is a constant frustration for us in our agency too, when clients come to us and they just say, oh, anybody would be interested in this product. It's just not true. You know, there is always a niche. So it's really important to understand your audience. I think it's important to understand, you know, who will handle the sales conversion. Uh, marketing does its job to get new prospects to inquire, but who actually does the sale? This is obviously different for any commerce business that does their sales online, but for any other business, it's really important to understand that. And there are many more problems that can occur if there's not a clearly defined outcome. So I think those are sort of the biggest challenges that that we face in our agency, for sure. Is there anything I've missed there, guys? I think you covered most of it there. I think you should move on to this next question from Ria27. Again, another question that I guess you get asked a lot. She asks, for a startup with no budget for marketing, is it possible for the founder to do the marketing on his or her own instead? Yeah, of course. Like that's how how I started out, right? Now, even though that I own a digital agency now and we do this on behalf of a lot of other clients, there's no reason to say that it can't be done internally. Of course it can. There are plenty of YouTube tutorials out there and blogs to be read. Actually, this is the whole reason that we're, we're, we started this podcast, right? was to try to get advice out there to people. It's obviously free to subscribe to this and people can learn from us in terms of what we're doing in our business. You know, I was in a meeting recently with a bunch of startup owners who'd they'd not even begun trading yet and they didn't even have, they don't have investment into their business yet. They don't have the option to consider even outsourcing to an agency like us. So that's kind of what inspired me to begin this podcast. And we're in the process, obviously, of trying to launch a membership website too, where it'll be a really small subscription feed that people pay every month to learn marketing practices. And although we're not quite ready to launch that just yet, there's something that's in development for us because, you know, I know there is a huge amount of small business owners 
businesses out there are startup business owners that when you start out, you don't have budget to invest. You know, you don't necessarily have budget to invest in a big digital marketing strategy and you can't always outsource it. And I'll often say to people, sometimes you shouldn't, you know, that maybe sounds counterintuitive to someone like me who owns an agency, but I think it's challenging to work with a business owner who doesn't understand marketing. So I think there is a huge amount to be said for people who go off, learn digital marketing themselves, try to implement it, learn from that, learn what works, learn what doesn't work. And then when their business is in a position, they have the budget to outsource it to an agency. They at least understand what it is they need marketing to do. And I think actually that can help a lot in the, in the long run, you know? So the next question comes from Chunky and they're asking, years ago, did you think that digital marketing would be as huge as it is today? No, (laughs) I don't think anybody knew what the internet was going to turn out to be. I read a recent study uh, that claimed that 60% of five-year-olds today, so in 2018, 60% of five-year-olds will have jobs that don't exist yet. That's nuts. Yeah, that's right? scary. So, no. <laughs> no, Chunky, I did not. The next one is from BPS Barbara. She asks, what would you say that a successful Facebook ad can have the same effect results as a huge billboard? So would you say that a Facebook, for the advertising on Facebook can be the same as, you know, driving past the billboard on a motorway, the same kind of reach? Yeah, 100%. I think absolutely it has the potential to outperform a billboard. And I would say for small businesses, for example, an unknown brand, Facebook will actually provide you a better result, assuming the campaign has obviously run well. It's all about brand power, right? So Facebook ads allow you the opportunity to build awareness of your small business by targeting specific demographics and displaying the advert to them over and over again. So coming back to that familiarity principle, If someone looks at the advert but then doesn't make a purchase, you then have the option to retarget them with another advert. Um, And that's something that you can't do with a billboard. You can't control where your customers are going. You have to rely on them actually coming on foot traffic or them driving past the billboard, you know? So if we think about an unknown designer was to run a billboard advert, it'd be really difficult to, one, target specific demographics, two, actually remind those that see it to look at your brand again, And then three, know who has even seen your billboard. There's so many unknowns when it comes to billboard advertising. It's not to say they don't work. For an established brand, they can be phenomenal. But Facebook ads offer a huge advantage, I think, to small businesses for sure. So the next question comes from Joshua Mendoza. And he's asking, are there still programs or software available to help grow social media followers? Yes, Joshua. There are plenty of them out there. You just need to Google them to find a long list of programs that will offer you, you know, the opportunity to actually grow your followers. Be cautious with this. Obviously, there's a quick fix. And often the issue is they're not real accounts and they could actually lead to your business social media accounts being closed down or shut down if they are fake followers. And in my experience, it's been really hard to find programs like that that are authentic. One question I guess I would throw back at you is, what's the objective of paying for this? It can cause a lot of havoc with your reporting. If you, for example, are buying followers or likes for your page and things like that, it just causes a lot of issues. For example, when you're advertising, as the accounts that are following you are not likely to engage. And then therefore, it's difficult to report on the performance of any adverts that you are running. So if you imagine, for example, that you buy 
20,000 followers for your Instagram page and then you're running Instagram ads, your engagement levels are not going to match the volume of followers that follow you. Does that make sense? So you've got to tread with care a little bit, I think, with this sort of thing. I appreciate there's some people out there that just like to get going and, and like to buy followers so they can to start traction so that loads of people start to follow them. I totally get it. But I think just be strategic about it and just consider the pros and cons before you move forward with something like that. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess if you're not going to do that, then how would you advise people to get organic reach, like organic followers? Good content. I think it just comes down to good content. You know, it's like we talked a lot about this in the six steps, um, the six C's that we covered in an earlier podcast. The first C, which is connect, connecting with your audience. If you understand exactly who your audience is, um, you understand what their big challenges, what their big problems are, you can create content that is attractive to them because you're helping to solve that big problem or that big issue. That helps with engagement levels so much. There's obviously hashtag strategies that you can implement to get reach and get exposure. Obviously, you can run ads. So you can do Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Twitter ads. Google ads, all this kind of stuff. It's obviously a slower route, but then the real followers, right? Rather than just having 10,000 fake followers. Like what's the point of that apart from your ego, you know? We've got one from Meriton Pasuli who asks, how does one spot a fake review site or just fake reviews in general from a legit one? We work a lot in reputation management and protecting clients from bad reviews online. I'm not sure I would call any particular review site fake as, you know, if they exist online, then obviously that's a real website. I think perhaps you're asking about websites that are set up with the intent of posting bad reviews and maybe even extorting money, which, you know, unfortunately we have come across that a little bit with some of our um, clients. So what I mean by that is there are some review sites out there um, that I don't know if they're they're writing the reviews themselves or they just allow people to write pretty horrendous, crazy reviews that are not necessarily true about businesses. And then in exchange for the removal of that review, they ask to be paid and quite extortionate amounts of money. So I'm talking, you know, 10, 20 grand to remove a review, which is crazy. I think it's crazy. And it's extortion in my view. I think the best way to tell is by looking at the terms of service of a website. If they clearly identify the incorporated company name and contact info, that's a legitimate review website. If they don't disclose this or they don't disclose who owns the website and how to contact them to negotiate the removal of something negative, then that could be a sign that it's not very trustworthy. The next question is from Maria Faye, and she's asking, is there any digital marketing online course that you'd recommend? I haven't looked at this in a while. I mean, LinkedIn Learning has some really great online training. Udemy, is that what they're called? Yeah. Udemy? Um, they're really good for online courses. Digital marketing is so broad. So I guess my one piece of advice is you might want to choose a small t- part to begin with which part of digital marketing do you want to try to understand? Because it really is broad. So I'd start with something small. Um, start with the, oh, I mean, the best way to start is fundamentals, right? So understanding how, how it works and, and what the purpose of it is. So some of those websites are pretty good, but I don't necessarily have 
any off the top of my head um, specific courses, but some of those platforms are really good. And even YouTube, YouTube has great tutorials. So just check those out. Last question now, the grand finale from uh, <laughs> drum <roll>. Natalia. <laughs> yeah, drum roll, please. From <laughs> Natalia Kvitovska. Sorry okay. if I butchered that. She asks if someone chooses to study uh, marketing uh, to get a marketing degree, is it best to focus on the digital aspects of such a degree? I think understanding marketing overall is really important. Uh, We can learn a lot from traditional techniques. I don't think everything is about digital. So I think it's important when working in the marketing industry to understand how the whole sector works first as, you know, no doubt you're going to need to design or you're going to need to implement marketing strategies or cross-channel marketing across different platforms from offline to online. So I think understanding that entire pipeline is super, super important for me. I like to understand the basics of traditional marketing because it means that I'm selling digital marketing services. I can help my clients understand why social media can be effective for them compared to some traditional techniques that have been used in the past. You know, if I didn't have an understanding of billboards and sales, flyers and direct mail, it would be really difficult for me to overturn some of the challenges and objections that arise with getting, you know, established businesses to transition from those offline practices online and to actually try out digital marketing. So, you know, I guess to answer the question, I think it's important to understand all facets of marketing. And then it's great if you're, once you go into the industry, then you want to niche into something that that you enjoy about it. Because don't make the assumption that you enjoy digital just because digital's cooler now than traditional marketing. It, you may, as you learn about it or as you study it, you may find that actually some traditional forms are more exciting for you. So I'm not sure if that's, a good answer to your question, but I think it comes down to you and what you're interested in. And I think learning the whole profile, all facets of marketing to begin with, I think are really, really important before we dig into a specific digital area. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think a lot of people look at um, marketing degrees or even some business degrees and they, if there's not too many, maybe digital modules, they might think, oh, is this kind of outdated? But like, as you said, the principles of marketing haven't really changed that much like understanding things from the consumer's perspective being able to put yourself in their shoes because essentially digital is just kind of the output right where that interaction takes place but sort of the uh the mentalities and, and things behind supply and demand and getting into the consumer decision making process is something that i don't think has changed too much no it's true absolutely 100 percent Well, thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you firing these questions at me, putting me on the spot a little bit. It's always (laughs) fun. And yeah, thanks again for joining us. And I hope you all enjoyed this episode. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the slightly different format. Don't forget to connect with us via social media. We can be found on Instagram and Twitter using the username The Vault Says. That's T-H-E-V-A-U-L-T. S-A-Y-S, The Vault Says. I look forward to you joining me next time when I will be interviewing a new business owner who will unlock their vault of marketing knowledge and provide us with access to the secrets to their success in business. You've just been listening to The Vault Podcast with Stacey Keogh. If you've enjoyed the show, she'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes. And don't forget to head over to www.thevault.global for more free content that will help you build an effective marketing strategy.